Welcome to Lorica, the podcast of Father Patrick Cardine, pastor of St. Patrick's Orthodox Church in Bealton, Virginia. St. Patrick's is a parish in the Antiochian Orthodox Christian Archdiocese of North America, serving the Western Rite. Father Patrick is also the administrator of the Orthodox West. In our adult Sunday school class, which has been running now for, I think, a little over a year and a half on this latest topic, uh, we're working our way through Hebrews. And uh, over the past several classes, we've been in chapter 11. Perhaps the most memorable and notable discourse on faith in all of Holy Scripture. In verse 1, we read, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And then in verse 6, our homilist makes this defining declaration. He says, But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So we can ask how important is faith. Well, without it, you cannot please God. As hard as you may try, you can do, you can move mountains, you can, well, it takes faith to move mountains, sorry, bad analogy. (laughs) You can do all kinds of things, but without faith, you cannot please God. It is faith. It is faith that compels us, according to this verse, faith that compels us to go searching for God, to go finding Him, because we believe that He exists, and we believe that He will reward us with all kinds of delectable delights, with paradise and glory and joy beyond our imagination, if we just chase Him down and catch Him. If we catch Him, if we seek Him diligently and catch Him, we'll have a great reward. And it is faith that compels us to believe in this and to act upon it. When we say that faith is belief in God, we don't mean faith is simply belief in data, in the information, in propositional truth. Even the demons have that kind of faith and belief, and they tremble. We teach that faith is belief as trust. Faith is trusting in the goodness of God, in the righteousness of God, In the power of God. Faith is trusting in God's good intent toward you. Another way that I like to put it is. Faith is knowing you are loved. Faith is knowing that you are loved. And receiving that love with gratitude. Faith then always returns that love with obedience and worship. So that's that's a maxim for life right there. Faith is knowing you are loved and receiving that love with gratitude. Faith then returns that love with obedience and worship. Now our faith, our faith is grounded and rooted in God Himself. And that's why our faith is unassailable, or at least the right kind of faith. 
This kind of faith that we are describing is unassailable because it is rooted in the one who is unassailable. For example, if we look at ourselves, we often are confronted with weakness, even ugliness. And we can easily despair and say, there is no hope. What can I do? I continue to fail. I continue to fall short. Well, maybe sometimes we rally. Maybe we accomplish something impressive. Maybe we have a good hair day. And our, our attitude changes. We think, wow, maybe I can amount to something after all. Maybe I am a noble and dignified creature. This is not faith in God or despair in God. This is faith and despair in ourselves. Faith in God teaches us that we are, in essence, good. We are good and noble and dignified creatures, even despite our present ugliness. And we know this because God made us and because God is good. And that's where our faith lies. It lies in Him, not in ourselves. And that's why we can have hope for goodness even when we're struggling with our own failures, our own sin. When we have this kind of knowledge, our faith is unshakable. Well, these thoughts about faith were prompted by today's gospel. Today, as you may know, is called Rogation Sunday. Rogation comes from the Latin rogare, and it means to ask. And this theme of asking is present in our gospel lesson, was also in our reading in Matins. If you weren't here for Matins, I would encourage you to get your bulletins and do the readings where Jesus taught his disciples how to pray the Lord's Prayer, and he said, ask and keep on asking. But in our gospel lesson this morning, Jesus says, Most assuredly, I say to you, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. Until now, you have asked nothing in my name. Ask, and you will receive, that your joy may be full. Five verses later, he says, In that day you will ask in my name. I do not say to you that I shall pray to the Father for you. For the Father himself loves you because you have loved me and have believed that I came forth from God. Now one pole of trusting faith, as I have said, is obedience. The other pole is diligently seeking God through fervent prayer. Ask, Jesus says, and you will receive and your joy will be full. What is our confidence to approach the eternal God in heaven so very far away, so very distant from our finite, limited, corrupt world? What makes you think he will hear you? What makes you think that your asking will do any good? Jesus says, we go to him and we ask because, quote, the Father himself loves you. The knowledge of God's love for us, that is the root of our faith. And that faith in his love for us, which we see on that cross, compels us to pray and seek him diligently. And yet, I think we all would probably admit, we do not pray as we ought. We do not seek him diligently. We do not pray without ceasing as we are admonished by the Apostle Paul. What do you want from God? 
Maybe we don't want the right things. Jesus said, ask and it shall be done for you. He said somewhere else, you do not have because you do not ask. Here are a few other things Jesus said along the same lines. Whatsoever ye ask in my name, that will I, these are all different passages, that will I do. Again, he says, if ye ask anything in my name, I will do it. Again, he says, whatsoever ye ask of the Father in my name, he may give it you. Again, ask what ye will and it shall be done unto you. And again, we have confidence toward God. And whatsoever we ask, we receive of him. One last one. And this is the confidence that we have in him. Whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desired of him. Now we read these passages and we think to ourselves, eh, that doesn't work. <laughs> that doesn't work. These promises, at least at face value, do not square with our experience. We don't know really what to do with them, so we just sort of move on to something a little less embarrassing in the scriptures. There is, in fact, a bit of divine subterfuge going on here when Jesus says these things. The promise is a ploy, especially when we hear it as an unlimited line of credit for our every desire. And I'm not just talking, by the way, about petty desires, like a pink Cadillac or something, or for our hair to grow back. I'm talking about serious, holy desires. St. Paul asked for a thorn to be removed. I think he was probably quite serious about this. Lord, would you mind, you know, getting rid of this problem for me? Jesus responds, I, no. So he asks again, uh, uh, Lord, uh, you know, I don't know, would you reconsider? I, I really like to have this thing out of my life. No. One more time he asks. Jesus says, well, I'll tell you what, here's a superabundance of grace. That's what I'll give you. Paul. This was not Paul's finest moment, by the way, depending on how you look at this. Martha, well, she rebuked Jesus because Jesus let her brother die. She wanted Jesus to heal him, and he could have healed him. That's what she wanted. Jesus didn't do it. So she rebuked him for it. What did Jesus do? Well, he rebuked her right back. Jesus rebuked Martha, and he told her the real good, the real good in this situation was for your brother to die. That was the real good. That's what he told her. That he might be raised from the dead to the glory of God. Now, even in the better good, Jesus suffered the pain of grief. That's important. Even in the better good, Jesus still suffered the pain of of grief of the death of his son, as well his friend, Lazarus, as well as Lazarus' sisters and friends. But for him to heal Lazarus would have been petty, given the grander purpose of God. There's another request I want to point out. This is the mother of all requests ever made in the history of mankind. Well, if you can guess what it might be, it is Jesus himself's prayer in the garden on the eve of his passion. There was no request ever made like this request. Father, if it be thy will, let this cup pass from me, but not thy will, not my will, but thine be done. Now, we don't have time to go into the depths of 
what's going on here completely. But just to say that Jesus' will, his desire and will to live and not to die, this is not contrary to the goodness of God and to God's will, general will for mankind. But in this case, the greater good was for him to suffer and die. Jesus clearly, through his prayer, in his humanity, he clearly desires to live as he should. It would be unholy for him not to desire to live. And this is expressed in his prayer. But that was not his request. His request to the Father was not that he live. He expressed his desire to live. But his request was that the will of God be done. And he got exactly what he asked for. His real prayer and his real desire even, which superseded the desire to live, was to be pleasing to the Father and to fulfill the purposes of God. And he trusted in his Father. And he trusted in the greater good. And he entrusted himself. And his prayer was answered. His request was granted. Why is our prayer not more fervent? Well, perhaps our faith and our trust in God is just weak. Perhaps we don't grasp how much God loves us. Perhaps we don't know what is really available to us. That if we would only go after it, chase it down and wrestle with the angel of the Lord, say to him, I will not let you go until you bless me. This is what pleases God. This moves God. This pleases God. Not feeling sorry for ourselves. That never moves God. Whenever we go into self-pity and feeling sorry for ourselves mode, God's arms cross like this. And he goes into waiting mode. Okay, when you're through, we'll move on. God has good intent towards us, and we must seek him with faith. Ye have not because ye ask not. Ask, Jesus says, and you shall receive. You are God's delight. And it pleases God above all else to fill you with joy. That's what pleases him, is to fill you with joy. That's why he made you in the first place. We just have to understand. It's a little bit more complex than that. There's a process going on. It's part of the package. Part of the package in this process is weeping at Lazarus' tomb and accepting the light burden of the cross. So long as you're okay with those things, you can have everything you want. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. You have been listening to Father Patrick Cardine pastor of St. Patrick's Orthodox Church in Bealton, Virginia. This has been a production of the Orthodox West.